Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. Our church's vision is to have a passion for God and compassion for people. We hope that the teachings in this podcast will encourage you as you seek to follow Christ and grow in your faith. Now, let's get into today's message. Well, good morning, Ritman Grace Brethren Church. How are we today? Good to be here with you and uh, hope to see you later at the ice cream social where uh, if you're a student starting school again, maybe you come just eat your feelings, you know, if you're stressed out about starting the school year. So love to have you with us. But uh, my name is Clark and I'm the pastor here. If we've never met before, I would love to meet you and I'd love to meet your family after service. So uh, feel free to stick around out in the lobby and I'd uh, love to meet you. And if we have met, love just to catch up with you and see how life is going for you. Well, who here enjoys waiting? I was going to say, if there was anybody, I was going to say, I'll pray for you after service. Well, I'm with you guys on that. A lot of times, waiting can feel a lot like a journey. Uh, It's long, it's tiresome, and it's a journey that's full of all kinds of ups, all kinds of downs. Uh, Sometimes it feels like we're taking five steps forward and three steps back. Well, we're in a sermon series on the life of Abraham, and in this series that we've been looking at, Abraham's life, we see Abraham and Sarah have been on a journey. And we see this journey outlined for us in the book of Genesis, and they have been waiting for nearly 25 years, just living ordinary lives, walking with God, fluctuating in their faith, and in their obedience, and also dealing with the inability to have a child advancing in their old age. We see tension with Hagar and Ishmael. Uh, We talked about in this series family drama with Lot and with uh, his family. You think your family's messed up. Read about Lot. Read about his family. Uh, Today we get to see what happens next in Genesis chapter 21. If you have a Bible, I just want to invite you to turn there with me. Uh, If you want to follow along in those brown Bibles that are in the chairs you're sitting in, Uh, You can break in with one of those on page uh, 14. If you want to follow along on the screen, that's okay as well. But that's where we're going to be this morning. So as we come to chapter 21 of Genesis, we continue the story, the narrative, the life of Abraham begins by saying this. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. The Lord does not come to merely mention the promise of a child again or to tell them that their nephew Lot has messed something up. They got to go fix that. God doesn't come to them this time and say, hey, I have to fix a problem that Abraham created here. No, this is a different kind of visit that we're seeing. And notice the text says the Lord was, what's the word? Say it with me. Gracious. Gracious to Sarah. Gracious with what? What was God giving to Sarah and Abraham? Well, notice what we learn in verses 2 and 3. We read, Sarah became pregnant, bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Verse 3, Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. In this gracious visit that we're seeing in the text, God takes Sarah's barren, empty womb and fills it with the life of a child. The fruit of Abraham and uh, Sarah's love, no doubt, but even more than that, 
the fruit of God's promises that are coming true. They're coming to fruition. The child, the son that has been promised 25 years ago is finally here. So how should we respond? Well, I want us to look at three different kinds of laughter this morning. I want us to look at laughter because of the son. And then I want us to look at laughter at the son. And then finally, I want us to look at laughter of God's redeeming grace. So laughter because of the son, laughter at the son, and laughter of God's redeeming grace. Uh, before we dive in even further, I want us to kind of trace the theme of laughter a little bit. It's not something you typically do a word study on when you look at scripture, but I want us to trace the theme of laughter throughout this story, places that we've already been. For instance, in Genesis 17, I don't have this on the screen. I'll just read it though. Uh, verse 15, God said to Abraham, as for, your, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her, will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. And how does Abraham respond? In chapter 17, verse 17, the Bible says, Abraham fell down and he, what's the word? He laughed. Everybody go, ha ha. Uh, Genesis 18, the Lord says again to Abraham, about a year from now, Sarah will have a son. God wasn't speaking in veiled promises when we see this part of Scripture. He's finally giving a timetable for his promises to Sarah and Abraham. But again, how does Sarah respond overhearing in the tent? You remember we talked about this? Genesis chapter 18, verse 12. Sarah, what's the word again? Laughed to herself. We look back at Genesis chapter 17 again. God tells Abraham to name the child. Isaac. And we see in chapter 21, verse 3, that Abraham called the name of his son Isaac. And we don't just see Abraham's obedience to God here. We're also being invited to a significant moment of God's redemption in Abraham and Sarah's story. So what does Isaac mean? Anybody? Laughter. It means he laughs. Can't you see that God is pulling on that thread of laughter and he's taking those cynical smirks, those faithless chuckles, and he is redeeming them. He's redeeming laughter. Genesis chapter 21, verse 6, again, back to the story in chapter 21, notice what it says. This is Sarah's response to the birth. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will, you guessed it, laugh with me. God has taken their laughter and he has redeemed it so that Abraham and Sarah and anyone who hears of this wonderful story will laugh. Not with cynicism, not with unbelief. They'll laugh with the laughter of joy, with the laughter of delight, the laughter of of belief. Imagine if the people of Ohio waited 16 years to glory in the Cleveland Browns NFL championship. I think it's been like 1964. Am I right? I think I looked it up. We laugh because it's laughable. You're filled with doubt even hearing those words. 
But what if in 2024, it actually happens? We would be celebrating, we would be laughing, and we would be delighting and maybe fainting. <laughs> Who knows? But let's bring it back to reality for a minute because let's just be honest, that's not going to happen. Let's be real. I mean, with God, all things are possible. So, But those of us here who doubt and are cynical towards God's promises, maybe you're here, that's you. You're watching online, that's you. God wants to tell you something this morning and he wants to tell you, I can take your unbelief. I can take your faithlessness. I can take all your sins you've ever done. And guess what? I can actually do good things with it. God wants to tell you this morning, I can redeem your story. That's the kind of God that we worship. God says, I could take a lifetime of your bad decisions and I can make laughter for you. And this refrain of redemption, it's actually carried all throughout the scriptures as we see in Psalm 30, verse 11. This is your verse of the week, by the way. You turn my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth, clothed me with joy. The prophet Jeremiah, looking forward to the day of the Lord, Jeremiah 31, 13, then young women will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. What a beautiful exchange that we see here. Beautiful, gracious exchange. How many of you are sitting here this morning and you want to see your sorrow exchanged for gladness? Doesn't that sound good? Sign me up for that. Isaac Watts wrote a hymn based on Psalm 126, and this is what he said. I want to share it with you. The Lord can clear the darkest skies, can give you, give us day for night, make drops of sacred sorrow rise to rivers of delight. Isn't that beautiful? If there was ever a time to break out of our gloom and into laughter, now is the time. Because the God that we worship is in the business of redeeming us from our gloom and our sorrow and turning it into joy, into dancing, and you guessed it, laughter. Maybe you can think of a moment in your life as I'm talking and uh, a moment where you didn't know how ends were going to meet because there were still two weeks left in the month before the next paycheck. Or you didn't know where you were going to make it through this heavy loaded semester with all the classes, all the work, all the responsibilities. How am I going to get through this? Or maybe there was a moment in your life with just those long sleepless nights with the new baby. Amen. Or a three-year-old toddler. You never know. Whatever the moment, whatever the season is for you that you look back on, you think that was hard. You think, man, seemed impossible in those moments. But my guess is for a lot of us, we can look back at those moments in our life. And now you can laugh at how silly you were, maybe how faithless you were, and you rejoice and you can even crack a smile because you can look back and you could see what God has done, how God has brought you to this place that you're at right now. That's the feeling that I imagine Abraham is feeling here in Genesis chapter 21, verse 8. The story continues by telling us the child grew and was weaned. 
And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. What's the big deal about Isaac being weaned? Uh, the reality was that back in Abraham's day, newborns in that nursing stage were very vulnerable. Right? They didn't have like a NICU or a PACU in those times. To live past that stage was very unlikely. So when a child grew old enough to transition from nursing to solid food, from crawling to walking, from baby jabber to talking, it was worth celebrating. It was kind of a big deal. Who knows? Maybe when our son's potty train, we'll get like a Chick-fil-A food truck out here or something. I don't know. Don't get your hopes up. Similarly, for Abraham watching Isaac grow out of this vulnerable state with evidence that God is remaining faithful to his promises, all that Abraham had been waiting for was being realized. It was all coming to fruition. Isaac, the son of promise, is growing up. So Abraham threw a feast to celebrate that. And when you see Abraham and Sarah laughing and celebrating, responding to the son of promise with joy, is this how you're entering into this fall season? Is that you? Are you entering into this fall season with joy or by way of contrast, are you feeling hurried or stressed or anxious, tired? Let's not miss this opportunity to be a people that are marked by laughter and singing and feasting. Verse 9, but Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. Some of your Bible translations say laughing. This isn't the same laughter that Sarah and Abraham have been given by God. Ishmael isn't responding with joyful laughter towards Isaac, his half-brother. No, this is a contemptuous laughter marked by mockery. Different kind of laughter. Couldn't this just be Ishmael's angsty teenage attitude that's kind of bleeding through a little bit? We could assume as much. But this disposition was caught from his mother, Hagar. Remember, we talked about this back in chapter 16. The Bible says once Hagar found out that she was pregnant, she despised Sarah, looked at her with contempt. And now here's Ishmael, the son, looking upon the son of promise with mocking laughter. Let me ask you, don't we see this kind of mocking and laughing outside of the church? We see this today. The world mocks the idea of a virgin birth. The fact that Jesus is God. There seems to be a general mocking of Jesus in our society. We see it all the time. And this mocking laughter, we see in the story, it's displayed by Ishmael. And here in verse 10, Sarah tells Abraham to cast Hagar and Ishmael out. On the surface, we read this, and it kind of looks like Sarah's making a vindictive, impulsive judgment call here, right? Can't she and Abraham just talk it out? Can't we all just get along? Can't they just engage in some conflict resolution, get all their problems worked out? But Sarah isn't seeing with human eyes as you and I tend to do when we read Scripture. We inject all of our presuppositions into it. She's responding as a protective mom, but also even more than that, she's also making this call on account of God's promises. 
And what God has called them to do as a family, she sees that her family exists because God has been faithful to his promises and to his promises that is going to come through Isaac. She sees that a responsive mockery towards God's promises cannot coexist with a life of trust in God's promises. It's a similar profession of faith that we read later on in the word of God where Joshua says, Joshua 24, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Sarah is confident that God will fulfill his promises through Isaac, not Ishmael. Only Isaac is the son of promises. And so Ishmael, the mocking son, must leave. We read in Genesis chapter 21, 14, that Abraham sends Hagar and Ishmael on their way. But by verse 15, we see that they're in trouble. Notice what it says. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. And then she went off and sat down by a bow shot away. For she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. It's easy to just read past stuff like this in the scriptures. But I imagine, you know, it's hard to imagine the pain and the heartache that Hagar was suffering in this moment. She was used, she was mistreated by Abraham, by Sarah, and now she's cast out. And would she have to watch her son die in the wilderness? Is that, what, is that what's going to happen now? Is this how Hagar's story is going to end? Like, where is God in the midst of all this suffering? Well, watch what happens in verse 17. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. And do you remember what Hagar named God? Hagar gave a name to God back in Genesis chapter 16. Let me remind us. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. We might expect God to let Ishmael die in the wilderness for this mocking laughter. But that's not what happens. This is what Ishmael deserves, right? He brought this onto himself. But as we've seen displayed in the book of Genesis over and over and over again, is that the God of the Old Testament, the God who sees, he's a God who hears, not just the righteous, but the ones who even laugh, the ones who even mock, the unrighteous. And here's what we see. We see God expressing his common grace. Just as rain falling on crops for a just farmer as well as an unjust farmer, God expresses his grace to Hagar here in Genesis chapter 21, verse 18. Notice what the text tells us. Lift the boy up, take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes. She saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Verse 20. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. 
While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. If we trace Ishmael's, Ishmael's genealogy throughout the scriptures and throughout ancient texts, here's what we discover. We see that Ishmael does become a great nation as God has promised. His descendants become great, eventually becoming what we know today as most of the Arab and Muslim nations. So here in Genesis chapter 21, we see God showing common grace to Ishmael and to the nations that are going to come from him. And as we continue throughout history, God continues to show common grace to all nations. But he specifically has chosen Abraham, choosing special grace, choosing and electing him and his descendants to be a blessing to the nations. But if the nations are to be blessed by Abraham's descendants, and the nations of Ishmael and other Gentile nations are not a part of this special bloodline, the question then becomes, how do they get in on that promise? How do they get on that promise? How do they get in on the laughter of God's redeeming grace? This is the last thing I want to talk about. The answer, simply put, is through the person and the work of Jesus. It's important for us to see here on our side of Abraham's life that God's promises were not ultimately about Isaac. It's more than that. God's promises continued way beyond Isaac. If you flip to the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew, chapter 1, we'll see that in Jesus' genealogy, say that five times, Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. Let me just kind of paraphrase a little bit, but in Matthew chapter 1, here's what we read in his uh, genealogy. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah. Verse 6, Jesse, the father of King David. Dropped all the way down to verse 16 now. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Jesus is the son of promise that Abraham was ultimately waiting for. And if we go forward even more to Galatians chapter 4, we read this during our scripture reading this morning, we'll see that Jesus is the son of promise that we have been waiting for. Let's look at it again, Galatians 4, uh, chapter 4, uh, verses 4 and 5. But the Apostle Paul says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Just like God visited Sarah and Abraham and made laughter for them because of their son Isaac, God too has visited us with what? His redeeming grace. And he's given us laughter through the son, Jesus Christ. All of us who are born outside of the promises of God, outside of God's family, when we place our trust in Jesus Christ, the son of promise, it's as if he grabs us by the hand and he pulls us out of the wilderness of sin, out of the wilderness of death, and he brings us, he adopts us as sons, as daughters into the light and life of his family. Because of Jesus, God has made laughter for you. 
God has made laughter for us. So in light of all that, you might be asking yourself, maybe somebody online today, but what if I'm a mocker? What if that's me? What if I'm a mocker? What if my faith isn't in Jesus? Is there hope for me? Yes. Yes, there is hope for you. Though you are like Ishmael cast out, like the one who mocks and laughs at the son of promise, all you have to do is cry out. Just like we read in the text, chapter 21, 17 again. God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. So let me just be clear. Mockers, skeptics, deniers of Jesus Christ, cry out in your hope for him. Cry out. Place your hope in him. Why? Because the God of grace sees you. The God of grace knows you. The God of grace hears you. And he comes to you this morning, even in the midst of your mocking, your doubt, and your apathy. He invites you to place your faith in Jesus Christ, to come to him through faith and repentance, to turn, to do a 180, to follow Jesus, to surrender to Jesus. Maybe today is the day that you do that, that you put a stake in the ground and say, some of this is making sense. I want to surrender my life to Christ today. We'll look at Galatians chapter four again. We see, again, when the Set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption of sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so that, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You see, when your faith is in Jesus, he changes your status from slave to son or daughter. And he makes you an heir in his kingdom. And as he places the spirit of God in you, he seals you as his own. So let me just close by saying this, let God's redeeming grace through Jesus Christ, let that overwhelm you. Because he can take your cynicism, he can take your unbelief, and he can make a joyful laughter for you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming and living a perfect life, dying an atoning sacrificial death, fulfilling all of your promises. The scripture tells us that your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And it's because of him it's because of you, Jesus. You've made laughter for us. We ask that you would lead us into rejoicing as we enter into this fall season. Whatever we have on the horizon, whatever worries or fears or stresses or anxieties, may we cast that all at your feet. We ask that you would fill us with hope that we may be ready for you to come again. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our church's mission is to follow God, share his truth, and be examples of the love of Jesus to all. 
If you would like to know more about us, you can visit our website at www.ritmangrace.org or drop by anytime for one of our in-person Sunday morning worship services. Once again, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast.